Blog Talk Radio. Country man can live wherever he wants. Free country? Man, oh I should fuck you up for saying that stupid shit alone. Yo, man, your Jordans are fucked up. Damn, yeah, man, you might as well throw them shits out. Them shits is broke. Man, they looked at the good before he messed them up. He did this shit on purpose, man. He was even talking about your mom. Yo, man, how much you pay for him? A hundred bucks. American dollars. A hundred and eight with tax. I give him a hundred headaches. Look, you're lucky the black man has a loving heart. Next time you see me coming, man, you cross the street quick. I'm out of here. Yo, man, bring his feet. Come on, Take his dollars. I should make you buy me another pair. Black Panther, what is that? Take his bike. Man, you're lucky I'm a righteous black man. Otherwise, you'd be in serious trouble, man. Serious. Fucking hell. Man, why'd you move back to Massachusetts? I was born in Brooklyn. Traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Hey folks, wow, it's hard to believe that the year is just about over, November 1st, 2017, and in my mind's eye, I feel as if the year just started, so <laughs> these years are starting to blur. Uh, oh, by the way, this is the Midweek in Review edition of AfroNerd featuring Captain Kirk, sort of, more correctly, more succinctly, is actually the Uncanny, the Uncanny and your boy, we're doing a show together for Delft, as they say on the street. The captain in Home Depot, 
fashion, has a home problem, home physical issue right before the broadcast. Um, hey, he may pop in if he's able to resolve this issue. You know how it goes, folks. Um, when the weather changes, well, let me not assume. This is a, a, an East Coast problem, <laughs> Northeast problem. When the weather changes, pipes burst, things, things go wrong. So anyway, uh, he will be sorely missed, but I'm sure he will be back in fine fashion for our infamous Grindhouse show. So the deal with the Uncanny, again, on a Wednesday, not, not on a Grindhouse, until we're able to get our scheduling uh, back in, in, in fine order, uh, we'll do what we have to do. But the Uncanny is here today. So let's get to a groove. Um, this is by one of my favorite team-ups. Unfortunately, one has since passed. Everyone is going, folks. Everyone is going. This is Wax Taylor featuring the late, great Sharon Jones, The Way We Lived. I guess that's really an apropos title, isn't it? The Way We Lived. We'll be right back. You know what? Let's groove.
folks, you know, I really wanted to let that ride because I really love that groove and I love Sharon Jones, the late Sharon Jones. Once again, folks, Wax Taylor, The Way We Lived, featuring the late Sharon Jones. It is the midweek. The Uncanny is here. Um, the call-in number. You know the drill, folks. I, I'm pretty sure you do know the drill. 646-915-9620. Again, 646 915 9620. Feel free to buzz on in with your queries, protestations, your declarations, your disagreements, whatever. <laughs> We're cool like that. We can handle it. All right, let me get the holodeck door, the hollow door, pardon me. <laughs> let me get that in fine order so I can bring this gentleman in. Wednesday door, by the way. <laughs> Uncanny. Howdy, Greetings. howdy. Hey, man. Thank you for let stopping me, by. Yeah, let me just tell folks, okay? The, na- uh, the name of the song was Staying Alive by the Fuji's Star Trek Discovery. If you don't like the song by now, if you've never heard of it, you know, it is a very popular uh, rap recreation of the Bee Gees. Everybody that saw Discovery... It knows what I'm talking about. If you didn't see Discovery, they used it in a party-type atmosphere, and you heard it like eight times during this. So I can't imagine any of the new generation that's never heard of staying alive, you know? So just to let them know. Were people – was that like controversial or people were like asking like what is that? Was that, was it, Has that much yeah, time was- passed where they couldn't recognize it? Yeah, I saw in several places on Twitter that people didn't know what the song was. Oh. But then again, I'm just sitting under uh, uh, palm trees eating mangoes waiting for my attorneys. <laughs> All right, listen. Um, actually, I, I want to make a couple of statements, and then um, I want to chop it up a little bit, and then we'll get into uh, Tragic Fair, you know, where New York is, Daryl and myself, and, well, actually, the crew minus our Left Coast correspondent. Uh, if things were to change, with maybe with the help of our stalwart listeners, maybe we can change that location, that her locale as well. But this is kind of a plea, and, and I think um, I have to thank the thank Bison, our supporter, uh, our stalwart supporter again, overusing the word stalwart. Um, we've got to get our Patro- Patreon game up, Daryl, um, because of our own outside interests. It's very difficult. My vision of what I really want AfroNerd to be has stalled on a number of occasions because it's hard to focus when we have other gigs, we have other responsibilities. It's just very difficult. Ideally, I would like to get down the way I see some of these other folks on YouTube and even in the podcasting game, how they're able to actually segue. We see someone like Tyro Magnus. Tyro Magnus seems to be doing quite lovely. And he's just a, I don't want to say just a reaction guy, but, but primarily he started out as a reaction video person. And I think he was even covered uh, by MSNBC a few years ago when he had just broached around the 300 or 400,000 subscriber uh, mark. And now he's well over a million. So my feelings, and I'm pretty sure Daryl feels the same way, is that I think our skill set is actually better than a lot of these people, and I think that our information is better. I just think that we can provide a better product, and I, and I see that there's a lacking 
especially when it comes to minority representation in this geek space. Shout out to the great Jamie Broadnax. She's doing wonderful work. Uh, but we have a slightly different we have a slightly different path. Um, hey, when we're able to coalesce and meet meet up, that's cool. But you know, she's focused on a, uh, a, a well. It's a, to be fair, it's more women's intensive, but she's also expanded to multiracialism, which is fine. We're on that tip somewhat too. But you know, listen, I, I'm not. You know, my we're into. Uh, people of color, black males, black females, I, I think we have a wider scope. And plus there's other things going on. Technology we want to promote, uh, the, the urban alternative music and culture game we want to promote. There's just more I think we have to offer, in my opinion. So at some point, very soon, we're going to get that Patreon thing going up. We're going to start improving the website. Uh, maybe we will have a, web, a, um, a YouTube presence. There's just some things that have to be done, and we we really need our audience to kind of chip in when, when you can, if, if you can. And we'll get into that. We'll give you more information. Uh, shout out to Bison. But we, I've been thinking about that, but I've seen folks that, you know, they, they're, they're getting these pages up. And, listen, this is not for our own aggrandizement. This is really – we need help to get a, a media presence to, to give a different slice of life. It, it is just time. I'll say one more thing, and I want the, the, uh, Daryl to chime in, too. Black Panther is coming. Black Panther is coming. I hope it's a billion-dollar movie. Let me repeat that. I hope it's a billion-dollar movie. Even if it comes close, anywhere between $600 million plus, $500 million. But I think Ant-Man did $500 million, So I'm thinking it should be doing better than that. However, all this Panther so lit, all this excitement... It's got to be a black geek infrastructure to, to, to move that product further. It, can't, it just can't be one movie and then that's the end of it. So there's got to be a sub- complimentary support, Daryl, for Black Panther, for people to get so, you know, so crazy about this thing. We've seen people from all over the world. Talk about reaction videos all over the world that are going crazy for Black Panther. But what good will that do if there isn't really a black media component to, to, to buoy the movie? Uh, Collider videos, they have their own thing. Um, we see there's a, there's a number of screen rants or whatever. Screen junkies, pardon me. Screen junkies is all these, these imprints that are able to to, to, to exalt these franchises, but where's the black version of these things to complement a movie that cannot be a one-off? Well, that's it. As you as you say that, right? I I I was listening to Sunday's show, and I go like, Hey, you know what? White kid decides he wants to dress up as Black Panther. That's what we need. All right, that's the type of thing. That's the breakthrough we need. Now, I'm not saying white kid has to do. The uh, the blackface while in the panther costume to, to no 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 if you make the costume well enough then we know who you are without going that far okay and secondly on that tip let me just remind folks because I picked up mine today 
the first chapter of the Reginald Hudlin Complete Black Panther collection got released today. All right? So just to let you Black Panther so lit people know, that's in the, that's in stores today, which means it should be in everybody and most uh, big city libraries by the end of the month. All right. If you want to see a place where some of these storylines or some of the beats from the movie got got cues from, well, all of the priest complete collections in libraries now, and now the Hudlin run that Marvel's starting to collect. Okay. The problem with this all is, though, okay, I saw everybody going crazy for the toy line for Black Panther. Oh, it's the Dorma High. Oh, look at Black Panther, the Tatchel Head. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, when is the movie released? February. When is these toys supposed to come out? May. Dropping the ball there, Marvel. Dropping the ball. You could have easily had those toys out at least mid mid January. I'm just saying. Back to you, Afro Nerd. Let's get this Heck, thing started. They need to be out uh, for Christmas. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, insane. It should be out now uh, for for uh, you know for uh, Cyber Monday, Black Friday. Yeah. I'm just saying. Anyway, all right, folks. Uh, enough of, enough of that. Let's get into this. Um, you know, I had full intentions, and you know, again, you know, be surprised how time flies. I was fully in, in, intended, and we hopefully we will have the time to discuss the Robert Mueller investigation. Um, but you know, as as per usual, within a 24-hour to 48-hour thing uh, span, news span, something else pops off huge, and it had to be very, very, very local. So, in the Tribeca area of New York City. We have yet another terror attack. And when I first heard the news over, you know, the news, uh, the news feed, all you hear is the NYC terror attack, and my heart stopped, and I didn't know the gravity of the situation. Like, again, it's still horrific. But when, you see, when, you be, when you're a New Yorker and you already experienced 9-11, and you hear just NYC terror attack, I'm thinking the worst. and I mean, this is bad. It's, it is gravely bad. But I'm thinking explosion or something where, you know, more lives were, were, were um, expunged. Anyway, um, let, me, let me play a clip first. Then, you know, Dow, of course, um, proud military man, former military man. We honor his, his service, of course. And I don't say that to be, you know, flippant or anything. I mean, that's, that's a, real, it's a real sacrifice. And uh, I'm sure he's he and Bison and others who are um, in the military or retired military men, they have their own stories that are, we probably don't want to hear. So almost, I, I also liken it to being a police officer. A police officer, shout out to my uh, my one of my best friends, Nemesis, uh, was in the force for for he retired from the force young, and um, you know there's things that I don't want to hear from him, you know because it's it's. The paramilitary is very similar in some ways. Um, so, we, you know, this is another situation that uh, is coming, is beginning to be a, a, a part of life where this is par for the course. So anyway, let me uh, play this quick clip and then we will expound. Hold on. This is um, on a terror attack, folks. Hold on. 
This morning, investigators are questioning the man behind a deadly terror attack in Lower Manhattan, an attack he apparently committed in the name of ISIS, just blocks from the World Trade Center. We got multiple casualties. This is a mass casualty situation here. 29-year-old Seifolo Saipov is in custody. The suspect, police say, is responsible for killing eight people and injuring more than a dozen others. This was an act of terror and a particularly cowardly act of terror. Shortly after 3 p.m., authorities say Saipov drove a pickup truck rented at a Home Depot in New Jersey onto a bike path along Manhattan's busy West Side Highway. He drove nearly a mile from Houston Street to Chambers Street, running over cyclists and pedestrians along the way. Mangled. One gentleman's leg was hanging by skin. The other gentleman had tire marks going across his chest. The suspect eventually crashed into a school bus carrying special needs children. Two of them were injured. There, he got out of the truck, brandishing a pellet gun and a paintball gun. A police officer is being credited with taking Saipov down, shooting him in the abdomen. Were there right kids up. around? Yeah, there were, there were a lot of kids. I mean, like I said, I first found out about it from a, a young, probably five, six-year-old girl yelling that he has a gun. And then the mother was, you know, very, very scared. I ran to the window and I see a car. I see people dead. I see bicycles on the floor. Witnesses say Saipov shouted Alo Akbar during the attack. A note left inside the truck says the attack was committed for ISIS. But so far, police believe Saipov was acting as a lone wolf and not part of a larger terror cell or plot. Saipov, an immigrant from Uzbekistan, moved to the U.S. in 2010 and held a green card and a Florida driver's license. A friend telling NBC News Saipov has been living in New Jersey, working as an Uber driver. Uber says it's cooperating with the FBI's investigation. After the attack, President Trump tweeted, the suspect is a very sick and deranged person. Hours later, he tweeted again, I have just ordered Homeland Security to step up our already extreme vetting program. Being politically correct is fine, but not for this. Governor Andrew Cuomo focused on New Yorkers' resilience. We've lived with this before. We felt the pain before. We feel the pain today. Uh, but we go forward together, and we go forward stronger than ever. Overnight, the spire of One World Trade Center lit up in red, white, and blue in honor of the victims. Hello today, fans. Thanks for checking out our YouTube channel. All right. Um, I see that our another, I keep on using the word stalwart, over too much, <laughs> too much, too much, too much. Uh, our consistent supporter, Q-Storm, is waiting in advance. I'll bring him in in a few seconds. Uh, let's go to the uncanny. Um, what are your thoughts about this, sir? I mean, this is, this is, you know, we heard about the London attack, the London Bridge attack uh, recently. There's a lot of uh, Paris a few times. Um, you know, we've seen in Europe this whole deal with rinsing a truck and mowing people down. Uh, now we seem to be getting the European treatment. So what are your thoughts about this? Well, hey, let me surprise folks. I'm going to agree with Trump. There it is. Yes, he was a sick and deranged individual. Stop. There it goes. That's as far as I'm going to agree with this. Listen, you could talk about immigration all you want, all right? You could talk about that all you want, all right? This dude was living here for several years. He did not just come off a plane and decide to do that. He was here, okay? Um, 
for folks going, well, it's a terrorist attack. It's a terrorist attack. Yeah, damn straight. It's a terrorist attack. So was Dylan Roofs. So was the Las Vegas shooter who nobody can remember his name now. I got to look and Google hard to find this dude's name, you know, because no one's reporting on that. But that was a terrorist attack, too. It doesn't have to be ISIS to be a terrorist attack. All right. Now, the rest of this, this dude flipped, lost his mind, ran over people, killed people. And it comes out with a paintball gun and a pellet gun in his hands. What that says to me is this dude wanted to die. All right? So in that way, if you take a go and want to die and you're taking out a pellet gun and a paintball gun, you're not looking to take out people with that. Your main weapon was the car or, excuse me, the truck. All right, and you 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 rode onto a bike path where people on bikes are riding towards you or riding away from you. Not hard to well, not an easy thing on a bike on that bike path. Believe me, it's one of the places I party in the city, folks. It is hard to avoid if there's a full size vehicle riding down that path to get out of the way. So I could understand the carnage there, but this dude wanted to die. This. We called this, if it was anything else, this would be suicide by cop or something like that. That's why I loved what the cop did here. Shot him low. Shot him low. He realized what was in this dude's hand. Shot him low. He didn't go for the kill shot. Shot him low. This MFR, there it is. You see, it's Wednesday. I have to tone down. You see, D-Bird, the things I do for you, I, I had to tone that down. <laughs> Thank this mf'er wanted to die, and the cop did not give him the satisfaction. I want this dude to stand trial. Let me see. You could do your Allah Akbar thing all you want, all right? But I want this dude on trial for this just so he would have to hear and see other people of Muslim faith of Pakistani faith, of Indian faith, that he has now put a target on from all of these idiots behind Trump following, waving the flag and all that. Get these people out of here. America for Americans. Uh, this dude, you should have just committed suicide. And you know me. That is a hard thing for me to say. But the turmoil you have just caused your sisters and brothers here by doing this stupid act, I want, I want this dude to see all this. I, this, is, this is how, folks, I've often said I'm not a very nice person, all right? But I also believe in eye for an eye type thing. I don't want him dead. But now he's going to have to live and see the ramifications of his actions. All right? And again, it's tough for me to say it like that. Because I've gone through life trying to reclaim the darkened parts of my soul here. But there are families that, are on that, that take that path. There are tourists that are taken on that path. But judging that, nice, a nice group from Argentina. The, enjoying the city They have nothing to do with your deranged self Nothing to do, do with your hate Five of them are dead 
All they were doing is trying to enjoy a beautiful day in the city. This is the stuff I'm talking about right here, right? And you America for Americans groups, you, you, we got to kick all foreigners out groups who are going to use this as a platform. Where were your voices during Vegas? Because that wasn't an immigrant that did that. That was one of y'all. That was, that was an American right there that did that. And guess what? That was a terrorist attack too. So for everybody that got hurt in the city yesterday, my heart and my thoughts go out to y'all. Okay? For this dude, oh man, I can't wait to see the trial to to do uh, to see you be understand and let me see how brave you are being cross-examined. Death is too easy. There is no easy way out here for you, especially in my eyes. You know? And that's that's me. Speaking as a dude that's been fired upon and had to fire at people of his type. And and because the situation demanded it, because of what I was serving. But at the same time, I know a lot of Muslim people that are just trying to make it day-to-day here. I know a lot of Pakistani people that try to make it day-to-day here, who are good people, hardworking people, who love being in this country who wish for a better tomorrow, but actions like this prevent that because there are some people who are just going to use this as their example that, oh, it's on. These people will never like us. And if you don't understand proof of that, go on your Twitter. Some fool took a picture of a couple of of uh, East Indian persuasion women with their, their hijabs on walking in that neighborhood and left a comment saying, you see, they're all celebrating. They're out here proudly walking around. And I'm like, really? This intolerance is only going to grow because of this. And that's a crying shame. Back to you, Afrinard. All right. uh, Let me bring back Q Storm. Q, is that you from the infamous podcast Juice and Red Shirts podcast, plural? Yes, it's me, and I apologize. I'm heading back to Philadelphia from New Jersey from a week's worth of work. Um, so I apologize for how I sound. But uh, Don't worry, you're good. Okay. Uh, Daryl, I hate to quibble, uh, but I have to disagree with you slightly. And I could be wrong. If I am wrong, please check me. But I believe the FBI uh, defines a terrorist attack. As an attack that attempts to foment a credo, a belief, whether religious or otherwise, into a society. So I, I really don't know if the Las Vegas shooting would count as a terrorist attack or just the attack of a madman, but I don't want to quibble. Uh, I just want to say two quick things. <clears throat> Trump, maybe I do agree with him. Yes, I do agree with him that this guy was deranged or whatever he said, but... Trump once again, once again manages to prove that he is not a leader by tweeting out and insulting Chuck Schumer about the um, the fact that Chuck, uh, the Democratic there was a Democratic program that was uh, a lot working program that allowed this gentleman I shouldn't say gentleman this this killer to enter the country. So rather than unifying, he he wants to sow the seeds of uh, he wants to split us apart. Ironically, his travel ban would not have prevented this guy from coming to this country because Uzbekistan is not on his list of travel uh, travel ban. And now here's the last thing, and Daryl will appreciate this. 
uh, I'm going to put my red shirt on real quick. There was an episode of The Next Generation where uh, Chief O'Brien, was called the, the episode was called The Wounded. Daryl, I'm sure you know it well. Where Miles O'Brien is in a turbo lift with a Cardassian, and the Cardassians are rather mild-mannered guy. And he asks Miles, why do you hate me? And Miles says, I don't hate you, Cardassian. I hate what you made me become. Having said that, and I don't mean to go off topic here, but this guy was stopped with a bullet to the abdomen. Now, I hate what this, what this society has made me become. And I'm going to say that maybe we need to examine gun laws in states like New Jersey, New York, and Maryland that are very strict where I, who am now a gun-toting enthusiast, would not be, have been able to protect myself for fear of retribution against this madman. And that's all I have to say. Well, let me, let me say a couple of things. Um, one, and I just put a link to a New York Times article, uh, today's New York Times, that actually has created somewhat of a, you know, your, 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 your um, definition of what a terrorist attack is or what terrorism is, I think because of the frequency of some of these situations is being called into question. So it's actually up for debate. It's becoming more debatable about what is labeled uh, terrorism because, yes, we all know that the conventional definition for terrorism has a lot to do with uh, having an ideological, an ideological bent, you know, why are you doing it? Is it religion or political or what have you? But terror is terror. I mean, if you have a person who is raining bullets down on a country music concert gathering, and you have hundreds of people. We, you know, it's still up for grabs as to really why this guy did what he did. So. Uh, it, it, the frequency and the the gravity of the situations, as horrific as what happened in Lower Manhattan uh, yesterday, as, as horrific as that act was, he comes off as a piker compared to some dude in a hotel that, you know, like the Weather Girls song, Raining Men, he's raining bullets on people. So at some point, I think... Well, hold on, let me finish my point. So I think at, at some point, I think some of these things that people, the, the public is going to start asking, and it's becoming more and more frequent, that terror is terror. And ha- these people, the victims, or the, the victims the, those who survived it, will tell you they felt like it's terror. Matter of fact, I would go as far as to say this, and I've said this for years now, what the... What these gangbangers do, and they have an ideological slant, and that, in my estimation, it would be urban terrorism, but they don't use that label for them either. So, and they they have a reason for what they do, for what they do, what they do. So why not call MS-13 or the Bloods and the Crips, why aren't they ever considered urban terrorism? To me, all of this. We would be able to get – I've said this countless times, uh, Q, and you know it. I, perce- I would pre- want this stuff to be under one umbrella, crazy versus non-crazy. Crazy people, I don't care if it's, if, if it's your religion or your, or, or your set or 
or your wife left you or whatever, whatever your reason is, I don't care. I just know that this, it, this is all under the label as an aggregate, urban terrorism. I don't need to know what your reason is. But go ahead. Q. Well, I'm, again, I'm not going to argue with you that it's terrible, you know, using the Latin derivative terror or terror, T-E-R. It is terrible. I'm just saying that the one thing, even though this guy and Daryl Daryl makes an excellent point, we have forgot we have forgotten his name. But even though he was able to kill what fifty plus people, Paddock, I think his name was Paddock. Paddock, yes, that's right, correct. The thing is that when you label something a terrorist act, you imply that you have. You are either you, can, you are sponsored by a cabal, a cable, a state, a country, or a place where there are resources that that require extra above and beyond. Uh, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, you know, extra above and beyond uh, thing, a means to uh, to attack it. So, uh, terror to me, terrorism has a much larger scope. This this guy he he murdered eight people, but as as we have to say kind of macabre in a macabre manner, it 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 could have been worse. It's it's a small incident compared to what we've seen across the globe. But you're talking about people who are funded by states that have much more resources that can continue to do this. So I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to disagree with you. But I, I I think there's a reason we have to call out terrorism for what it distinguish that from other madmen, if you will. Well, to me, it's just anything that causes unwanted death or wanton death and and it's 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 scattered, to me it's a terrorist act. I don't go by their definition. Alright? You could have a terrorist act and only two people get affected. You could have a terrorist hack and 20 people get affected. You know, I, I, this is where I, I have looked into the eyes of madmen. I've looked into the mirror and seen that I had the eyes of a madman. All right. At that point, definitions don't matter to me. The only thing that matters is people lost their lives unnecessarily. All right. If this dude was really feeling that bad, why go outside? If this dude was really disillusioned, leave the country. You don't take other people's lives. He could get the fuck out of here with that jazz. He's a terrorist. Well, yes, he let, is let, a terrorist. I would agree. Gentlemen, I keep calling him a gentleman. It's just my upbringing. I apologize. Not a problem. This, this guy is a terrorist. I, there's no debate there. There's no debate there. Let me go into uh, our friend from the left coast, John Hutton, a couple of, couple of statements he's making in the chat room. He says, uh, maybe if white bread redneck Stephen Paddock came out yelling, Allah Akbar, y'all, <laughs> it would have been a bigger story. Uh, then he says, yeah, how, quick we, how, how quick we forget the name McVeigh. Uh, I had significantly less trick-or-treaters this year. This is a canary in the coal mine nobody really notices. Parents are afraid to take their kids out at night. Uh, and then he says, lastly, terror, terror or not, people are dead, 
and people are scared to go out at night. I would agree. Let me just go quickly um, to what the New York Times piece is unpacking. It says, uh, and again, I respect uh, Q-Storm's viewpoint. I guess what I'm saying is the frequency of these occurrences are getting people to ask the question that maybe we have to, hey, you know, we deconstruct things here at Afro Nerd. I think other people are starting to do the same things. I think it's becoming, a rel- I think it's becoming relative. So anyway, he, uh, in the piece, it says, uh, a month ago, when a gunman opened fire on a crowd of concert goers in Las Vegas, killing dozens and wounding hundreds, the attack was not broadly branded as an act of terrorism. But that label was immediately attached to the attack on Tuesday that killed eight people, setting off another round of a fierce national debate. On the surface, this could be considered a straightforward question of motive. Terrorism is defined as an attack on civilians meant to frighten a larger community for political purposes. But the new generation of Islamist terrorism, conducted by individuals citing far-off inspiration, has blurred the distinctions between terrorist and disturbed loner. You know, that, 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 that's what's also important, too. When you say, uh, you mentioned uh, a couple of times, Q, that this has, uh, terrorism has a lot to do with funding and, you know, some kind of infrastructure. This is a, 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 a sponsored attack. But we're labeling terrorism with people who are uh, lone wolves and are, are one-offs. So I think that's also, well, this is essentially what they're saying, that those kind of things are called terrorists. But this is not, it may be ISIS-inspired, but it wasn't ISIS-funded. So that goes into something else. Anyway, uh, and also, as I think about this, even if, it's talk, if, even if we're just going to say, all right, uh, let's say that this wasn't, and it, we see that it wasn't it's, so far, it wasn't sponsored by ISIS, but the, but the inspiration was there. Well, the argument can also be made that with these mass killings, oftentimes by white males, they're also copycat um, catalysts, and they're also inspired because someone else did it. So the inspiration is there. See, to me, again, even with Dylan Roof a couple of years ago, they didn't really want to call that a terrorist attack either. Black people are calling that a terrorist attack. But it, it, it was slow moving with major media outlets sometime, in, a, in kind of a sometime way some timey way, they sometimes called the Dylan Roof thing a terrorist thing. But Dylan Roof, there was a process with him, with him to become this, this horrible person. He was radicalized online, not that dissimilar from the radicalization process involved with some of these, these uh, Islamist fundamentalists. So, again, I don't really care what you believe in. Even the process is somewhat similar. We, we, black folks have been dealing with terrorism for 100 years or more, but let's say uh, as far as the infrastructure, from the KKK. And to this day, we don't really call them terrorists. It's, it's black people started to call them terrorists, but it really hasn't entered into the lexicon. When they're clearly terrorists, they're clearly funded, and what they do is, is, meant, to, is meant to inspire uh, a larger community. So I think the definition, because it, it, these things are starting to blur, and that's what this, this, this article is representing. I think we're going to have to deconstruct some of this. But you're entitled to your opinion. I just think that as time goes on, I think people are going to start to ask, well, why not this? Why not that? 
hell, even with the uh, the abortion clinics that you hear every once in a while. That's that's Christian fundamentalist terrorism. I agree. I, I, Dylan Roof was a terrorist. Timothy, Timothy McVeigh was a was a terrorist. Uh, anyone who bombs an abortion clinic is a terrorist, based on the definition, trying to advance an ideology or a credo. But I really was hoping you would address my other concern, my other opinion that. You know, as, as, as loath as I am to say it, I'm on this side of the corn. I'm Miles O'Brien. I'm saying New York, Maryland, and New Jersey, they, they need to look at relaxing their gun laws so that responsible people can protect themselves because this stuff's getting out of hand. You know, in London, you have people uh, driving down the, 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 the Tower Bridge, jumping out, and then uh, macheting people to death. So yeah, well, it just that, dogs but, me. Well, you're kind of you're kind of you're kind of sabotaging your argument, because in the UK, you, you, well, because you just said you use the UK as an example, and they're not even using you know the bobbies over there don't even really have guns. The U, the UK famously does not have guns, uh, and yet these folks are being chopped down with with knives. So I I appreciate the strict gun laws. Uh, that New York has because you're you're still dealing with th- that's really to address incidental street car in- incidental street crime and the and the uh, what I say urban terrorism even though those are mostly by young people with illegal weaponry but if we're going to deal with the legal part of it um, the you, you, if it if it's not a gun it's still going to be some other weapon and we saw that with people being hacked to death in London. So why, why are you concerned with, with the strictness of the gun laws if someone can easily use something else? Well, because someone can easily use something else, but a responsible person with a gun can take out that someone much easier than someone who has nothing. And I'm just going to ask you one question. What stopped terrorists from driving down the bike path? What stopped him? Well, listen, p- policemen, uh, I mean, you know, you're asking for a, a, an incidental, one, like an individual that you have to hope is responsible. I mean, that's, that's the, I hear what you're saying, but I, I mean, this whole, this whole notion, that's a, that's a common argument that, especially let's, let's say what happened in Aurora, Colorado with that nut during the Batman showing, the Dark Knight showing, there was always this thing of, uh, well, if there was one moviegoer that was a responsible gun owner, that w- that person would have been able to take him out. I mean, what good would that what good would that have done in Las Vegas when you had someone uh, several, you know, what, forty feet in the air? Well, you don't know where. Come on gonna... now. Hey, well, hold on. But let me finish my point. What I'm saying is this idea that a gun. I mean, people. Matter of fact, uh, the the performers on stage. During that Las Vegas concert, were gun owners, and they they said they had to rethink their gun ownership because when it came down to the real deal, they weren't even able to even use those things. Your, your in answer to your question, gun owners that were that were actually put in that situation, they said they weren't even really able to address that, and it made it seem like it was it was a moot it was moot. Okay. Based on the Las, ba- based on based on the Las Vegas situation. Your question was answered, and those those performers say they said they'd given up. They became gun um, the opposite. You know, people people who are concerned about uh, gun 
you know, uh, gun ownership. So these are gun owners that did a reversal based on an actual live action situation. I, I'll say this. I'm a gun owner, and I don't believe in bump stocks. I don't believe in automatic rifles. I don't believe in assault weapons. Maybe that's what these people are talking about when they're rethinking, rethinking. But I'm going to deconstruct what you said. You, using the, the analogy of how you always say, and I agree with you, that we, as you say this, uh, this is a separate topic. You say that we as black people need to be able to navigate police stops. That yeah, does not yeah. mean that that does not necessarily mean that you're not going to get your, an ass whooping. Okay, so using that same logic, I'm not saying that this is the answer to every situation. Of course, having a gun, my having my gun would not have prevented that guy from 400 yards away from killing all those people. But I'm just saying, sometimes it may come in handy to protect yourself. And I'm if you have responsible people and responsible gun laws, gun control, I think these three states, which are the most notorious, oh, California is also notorious, need to look at this. It's all about well, moderation and, and common sense. Listen, I, I don't know what to think on that. I, I, maybe I'm going to have to go back to go back to researching it because as far as I'm concerned, because I'm, I'm not the gun dude. I, I try my best to avoid situations. Um, unfortunately, these people—they like were money. Not doing that. Pookie and Ray Ray and Taekwon are not doing that. So why are you saying that? I don't get it. I, I'm st- and I don't now. I don't understand you. You're saying that be, me using my common sense is, isn't a good combatant to that kind of stuff. No, I'm saying you're you're rethinking. You, you have to really think about the gun issue, and I'm saying. Your lower tier folks are not having that same struggle as you are, so we need more people who are responsible to understand their rights. Now you yeah, got to define I, what is responsible. Yeah. See that that's the problem here. All right. When in Vegas they sold that guy all of those assault rifles, thinking he was responsible because. Oh, he looks like an everyday Joe. Oh, he has the money. Oh, oh, oh. And the next thing you know, he's shooting on a, a, a crowd of fans looking at a country music concert. You know, that's the problem. We don't know who's responsible and who's crazy until they do something responsible or crazy. Just the same. That's, that's what more stricter background checks would be for. I, I, maybe well, I'm still listen, looking at this but, well, your, your 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 gun advocates don't want that. Your gun no, advocates don't want I, I, that. I agree. You're right. You're right. And that, that's why I, I eschew the NRA. I, I I don't think they're they're just a lobbyist organization that wants to hold on to power. You're absolutely right. But Look, there are a lot, I've I, met a lot of responsible gun owners, white and black, all all races, and you know I, my 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 whole mentality has changed about it. It's a hard it's a hard landmine because I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't trust me with a gun. All my experiences, everything, I know how to control a gun, I know how to break it down, I know how to oil it up, I know how to adjust it, I know how to fix the safety. I, I would not me with a gun. Matter of fact, in the fight, the first thing I'm going for is a broomstick or a handle to use as a bolo staff. 
I would not use a gun. Why? Because I know my mind. I know what's going on. And if I come to the position where I have to use the gun for protection, it may go beyond protection. And it may put other people in jeopardy. I Again, this is me. Again, folks, Wednesday, you're not used to me. This is me being 100% to y'all, being totally honest. A gun in my hands is the last resort. I hope you're behind me and not the guy I have to point at. That's all I'm saying. Well, because no, something. Well, Go let ahead. me say this. Let me say this quickly. Um, and I, again, I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I do get some stuff from the Oracle, and this goes back from my childhood. My whole situation, my whole issue is avoidance. And I see, I see so many people. I'm talking about just from from day to day, day to day situations. Matter of fact, I think even uh, I was with the Uncanny during uh, Afropunk, and we were going back to get my car at the parking facility. Oh, um, yeah. There was like a there was like you remember that it was like a little a guy that was clearly off, and these young women were were engaging him. Now, see, that's the kind of stuff that is like okay, you, <laughs> you see people that that poke the tiger. They poke the bear, and we had we automatically, my senses and Daryl more so. Let's go to the other side of the street. Let's avoid these people. Now, I'm not into uh, no, my normal thing is okay. I'm going to try to say something to these women. They're women, you know. Try to be the voice of reason. But then I said, Daryl stopped me. Said, eh, let's just go. To, so you just can't save people, unfortunately. And I was ready to say, hey, folks, you know, let's calm it down. I'm the guy who could get a bullet in my ass by, by trying to be Mr. Nice Guy. So what I'm saying is our favorite word, our favorite word, Q-Storm, is cogitation, cerebration, brain work, co- uh, cognition, whatever, whatever derivative you want to use for intelligence. Half the situations that I see go down, half of them, just playing the numbers game, if people said – Less, moved, moved away, avoided. Half this stuff will go that will go down differently. Matter of fact, I don't ride my bike publicly like that. When, when I was riding my bike, and I got to I got to get back into bike riding because I do have a trail bike. I would take my put my trail back trail bike on the back of my in the back of my Jeep, my old Jeep, and myself and Nemesis, who at the time was an officer of the peace, who had a burner on him. Now he had a burner. We would go in, on a, in a private trail in Queens and do the trail thing. I was never comfortable in riding my bike on, in, in Manhattan, not even, not even for fear of Ali Akbar type stuff, but just because people are crazy, just regular drivers. I would prefer – there's certain things, certain moves that I, that I make that I'm not comfortable the way other people get down. I'm just saying. Some of this the black folks and you and I'm and I'm you listened to us for many years, Q and I and I have yet to be wrong. I have seen people who are, are constantly out at certain times. You know, 4 a.m. Hey, when I when I, I when I was in Hampton or even after Hampton partying in the city, I was out four o'clock in the morning. I don't do that anymore. I mean, just, you know, when you see problems in the newspaper, it's usually 3 a.m. Somebody's drinking. Horror happens. People lose things. I'm not doing that. 
you got to start. I think my greatest weapon right now is like Batman, using my mind. I use my mind. Avoidance. I'm just saying. Anyway, <laughs> let's go to a groove for a minute. Take a break. I want to get off of this. Folks, uh, again, our thoughts uh, go to the, to, the, to the victims. We have to, we have to remind ourselves, uh, and Daryl talked about this, <coughs> that this man, you know, he committed this act. I guess he's, he's committing this, this attack, <coughs> this act to, to, uh, to create harm toward Americans. Most of these people weren't even Americans. They were, they were international tourists. They were, they were nationals. So, uh, from Argentina, they weren't even they weren't even Americans. They just came here just to enjoy America. So it, it, it's so indiscriminate this thing. It, it it really is looking at the face of crazy and the devil. If there's such a thing as of a living embodiment of of a fictional person, this would be what we're what we're looking at. Just just crazy as hell. Makes no sense. Shameful. All right, folks, again, Midweek in Review with the Uncanny. Captain Kirk, uh, unavailable. I'm sure he will be returning for Saturday's Grindhouse along with myself and, of, and of course, uh, the Uncanny's doppelganger, Claire Lanay. Um, let's go to a quick, quick group. This is a tribe, ATCQ, a tribe called Quest, Conrad Tokyo with Kendrick Lamar. Give you about two minutes, folks. We'll be right back.
Rollins own a tribe called Quest, Conrad Tokyo featuring Kendrick Lamar. Folks, this is the Midweek in Review featuring yours truly, of course, the Uncanny, the Uncanny Daryl B. The call in number is 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Briefly, I must comment, you know, listening to that music, and again, this is hip-hop, but it is, a, it is adult hip-hop. It's adult contemporary hip-hop. I don't think that term has really been connected, at least not to my satisfaction, for the maturing hip-hop artist that has, is able to actually elevate the genre. Uh, I'm curious as to what Daryl may, may think, but you know, maybe I, I'm a little partial to, to, to Tribe because you know, Tribe, they're homeboys. Um, and I met Q-Tip years ago at the Shark Bar, um, just kind of kicking it. But, you know, uh, I, you know, I've met a few people just kicking it, and I, I don't really talk about it. I met Chris Rock years ago. We were hanging out at, um, uh, what was the name of that club? Uh, Bentley's, of all places. Um, I, kid, I've had a conversation with Kid. I'm kidding. Play. I don't know. I, I, I've, I've met some people. But anyway, uh, I guess I say these things because I'm listening to the, to the quality of that cut, which they've always been into the jazz thing. You know, I believe they even worked with Ron, Ron, Ron Laws years ago. But um, I don't think there's actually a, a, like a real label for adult contemporary hip-hop music. Um, the closest you can get is And You Don't Stop. It's a, um, a radio channel that's hosted by Chuck D., of the infamous Public Enemy, and that's at Pacifica Radio. It's also online if you go to Pacifica Radio and look for And You Don't Stop. They, he plays a lot of these artists that you thought were long gone, but these guys are you know, late 30s, up to 50-plus, still doing hip-hop music, but because they're not, you know, they're talking about like mortgages and maybe a terror attacks. You know what I mean? They're talking about like real-life-ish as opposed to bloody shoes and all that nonsense, they're making money moves. I hate to show you, told you how 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 uh, I know this stuff because it's played so much. Anyway, quickly, Daryl, your what are your thoughts about like listening to the quality of that of that tribe album? I hope they do another one. I think it might be their last one, but wow, man! I mean, we can't Great. we can't have like a mature hip hop genre. I I'll just say this, okay? The the Black Alicious album that he just released, quality. The new Public Enemy album, quality. The Prophets of Rage album, quality. The Tribe album, quality. The De La Soul album, people oh, yeah. forgot about the De La Soul album. That was quality, all right? I, I'm not you, D-Bert. I don't waste my time arguing about the untalented un, uh, or... On to people not in my group, all right? I focus on my quality. Why? It's easy to be mad, but being mad and screaming about that thing takes up time that I can devote to listening and promoting the quality. That's how I look well, at it. Well, you know, um, respectfully, I, I, listen, I can't discount what you say. I mean, I agree. I, you know, I... I the listeners knows that I, this bothers me. I, I will confess, I, I don't like to let a lot of things bother me, but it, it bothers me. And I think it bothers me not so much that the other stuff exists. You know, listen, I, I you know we could talk about 
uh, Luther Campbell. There's always been people doing stuff that I was never really into. Well, let me let me let me let me let me be honest because I, I can't lie. I might have even been able to handle a little Luther Campbell with what he was doing because there was other stuff where I was. I might have even bought a Luther Campbell. I don't think I have any Luther Campbell in my collection, but I gotta be honest. I might have I, I might have capitulated to that. Who he might be considered the Cardi B of his time. Or, or the uh, Migos of his time. But damn, there was like 20 other cats at minimum that were counter to that. We didn't have wholesale minstrelsy. You might be able to, to appreciate a little bit of minstrel. Of minstrel. Listen, I like Burt Williams as a historical figure. I, I would confess, I, you, could, you could look at Mantan Moreland as a historical person, but you have uh, Sidney Poitier. Uh, you have... Um, you know, uh, countless other uh, Brock Peters, um, you know, whatever, Ruby D. You had balance. This, this, this scene has no balance. And, uh, and then we'll go into the serious stuff. Now, now I'm going off tangent. But th- th- my thing is, the other stuff can exist. We got to get our Patreon game up because no one else, in my, to my uh, qualifications, we, we are going to have to be the ones to help to promote this stuff. There's just let that exist, but and I want you to talk about this a little bit because we we spoke about it at the top of the show, Daryl. Some of the stuff that's going on from Wednesday's comic books, we can go into that, and then we'll go into uh, the young lady at the University of Hartford. More effery is afoot, but um, you know my my thinking is is that you have these 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 sci-fi books, black sci-fi books, black sci sci-fi fantasy of films and TV shows and all these, all this urban alternative music, all this product that's just that's just sitting around that you know that you and me know about. We have to figure out a way to create an infrastructure so we can start promoting this other stuff to counter all the wholesale minstrelsy. And then maybe I can appreciate and laugh at Cardi B a little bit. I see her on the cover of, of Rolling Stone. I mean, she's kind of attractive in a way. You know, you know how reptilian I can be. You know, but still, <laughs> you know, she's still a nut, respectfully. Anyway. Right. All right. Enough of me, you know, blabbering, blustering. Um, let, let, let's talk about this this young lady. Uh, wow, man, I, I heard about this um, courtesy of Joe Madison's serious Urban XM um, radio show. And it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. This young woman from Queens, a local, another local person. You know, Q Torrance from, from Queens, local local cat. This young woman is lo- a local person. And she goes to, she's a freshman. She's able to matriculate to the U- University of Hartford. And her roommate, at least on the surface, and it, not that much time has passed, folks. This is November 1st. So she's only been in that in that dormitory with this young woman for under two months, and within two months' time, this woman was poisoned in a horrific way. So let me go to this quick clip. Now, as another thing, there's not enough people talking about this. Like, like this is a social media thing. It's being reported in print media. I don't see enough uh, news media actually attacking this horrific story. I mean, I don't know what's up with that. 
I got this from uh, the Phil DeFranco show, who has a large following. Phil DeFranco has like 5.7 million subscribers uh, on YouTube. So he unpacked it fairly well. But you figure you would have heard this from CBS, uh, CNN, MSNBC. I'm not hearing enough people talking about talking about uh, Ms. Jazzy Rowe. That's the, the young lady from um, that was poisoned. Uh, I'm not hearing enough. So let's let Mr. DeFranco break it down, and then we will unpack. Hold on. You beautiful bastards. Hope you have a fantastic Wednesday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show, and let's just jump into it. And the first thing we're going to talk about today, one of the most requested stories today, and that is the crazy story around Chanel Jazzy Rose. On Monday, Jazzy, a University of Hartford freshman, went live on Facebook to share a story about what's been going on between her and her roommate. Her roommate is later identified as Rihanna Rachu, but Chanel doesn't name her in the stream. And in that stream, she says ever since she moved in, her roommate barely acknowledges her presence. I basically felt like I was unwanted in my own room, you know, like I was ignored. I acted like I was like a ghost in my own room, you know, like I was disrespected and not like physically, but like if the person was to walk into the room and sees me doing work, like she'll turn off the light and just walk out. She also mentioned that during the time that she had been living with Brianna, she'd been getting sick. While I've been here, I've been getting sick. It started with throat pain. And I thought maybe because it's cold up here, colder up here, I'm just probably catching a cold. It got to the point where I had extreme throat pain that I couldn't sleep to the point where I couldn't speak. So I decided, let me go to the health clinic on campus because I can't let another day go by, you know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's got so worse. So I went to the health clinic. They did three tests and they gave me antibiotics. Took the antibiotic. The three tests that they did came back negative. But they couldn't figure out exactly what was wrong, and the only thing they knew is that she had some type of bacteria in her throat causing her pain. So she has to spend a lot of money traveling back and forth between New York and Connecticut, seeing doctors, missing classes for treatment. And all the while, problems with her roommate continue. She feels unwanted in her own room, and she decides to move out. So on October 17th, Chanel was in the process of slowly moving to another room when Brianna asks if she's moving out. So Chanel tells Brianna. Brianna then goes to her phone. Chanel assumes that she's just texting her friends to let them know. But as Chanel was leaving, her neighbor and two RAs approached her and showed her an Instagram post from Brianna. Brianna had posted on Instagram bragging about everything she had done to get her roommate to move out. The post reads, Finally did it. Your girl got rid of her roommate after one and a half months of spitting in her coconut oil, putting moldy clam dip in her lotions, rubbing used tampons on her backpack, putting her toothbrush places where the sun doesn't shine, and so much more. I can finally say goodbye, Jamaican Barbie. And while she doesn't have proof of this, Chanel says that she was also told Brianna had posted in the past photos of her eating. With those pictures, they'd have captions saying things along the lines of, if she only knew where those utensils have been. She goes on to show pictures that were included in the post. Pictures of her packages, the backpack, the clam dip. She says she's been sleeping with period blood next to her face and using that coconut oil on her body, face, and lips. I usually just keep that bag, like, on the corner. And in my old room, I used to have my desk in front of my bed. Basically, I was sleeping with period blood in my face for a month and change and had no idea. Unsurprisingly, she's scared to use her own stuff now. And so once Chanel finds out this was happening, the university's public safety department comes in, they remove her contaminated belongings, she files a police report, but she says the school originally told her that she may or may not hear back about the crimes committed against her. She also says she was asked to sign a no-contact agreement, meaning that her and her former roommate could have no communication with one another, saying that later when the school staff came to collect her keys, they said they wanted to make sure she understood her no-contact agreement also meant that the situation was over. Also saying they told her if she spoke about this, she would be removed from campus housing. Well, just to let you know the situation is over so don't speak about it or else you can be removed from the residential side of campus basically saying I can't live on campus 
like that 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 will happen if I speak about the situation the same the situation is over. But also noting the staff member who initially had her sign the agreement assured her that was not the case. Chanel says as more time passes, she becomes frustrated with how the situation is being handled, saying she was told nothing could happen until public safety was finished with their investigation, but it had been nearly two weeks. But still nothing had been done, so she was worried the university was going to try and sweep this under the rug. And so the whole reason she streamed this live on Facebook is she said she refused to be silent. I don't want to be another statistic, you know what I'm saying? Because colleges, being colleges, like you, it could be a rape situation or something serious, you know what I'm saying? Anything serious. And they just brush it under the rug and then they just, they just leave it until the, the situation disappears. Like, they don't take care of it at all. She also argued that race might have played a role in this case. And, I mean, just based off of Jamaican Barbie, I don't think that's a crazy assumption. Now, after the live stream, this story blew up all over social media. Justice for Jazzy was trending on Twitter. A bunch of people were contacting the school demanding some action. Some, as I mentioned earlier, found the roommate's name. They shared that as well. And finally, after a ton of criticism, the university responded. The university tweeted out a statement, and in it they said that the university public safety had turned over the case to local authorities for prosecution and an arrest had been made. University of Hartford President Greg Woodward also issuing a statement to the university community later that night reading, One of our students was the alleged victim of bullying and her story was shared across social media. Let me be clear. The accused student's behavior was reprehensible and does not reflect the values of our institution. Let me also be clear that I am confident the university has taken all steps to pursue this matter seriously and will continue to do so. Upon learning of the incident, public safety immediately ensured that the victim was relocated to a safe location, notified local authorities, and provided support for their investigation. The accused student was subsequently arrested by the West Hartford Police Department, and her case will proceed through the legal process. All right. You got that, folks. You got the brunt of what occurred, and we're going to just kind of um, go around the horn and discuss this vile act, acts, plural. Uh, I, I, uh, listen, all of us, you know, I, I, Daryl has been in the military uh, in the barracks, I would assume, dealing with uh, different personalities. Uh, I was in college. Um, long-time listeners know I, I went to Hampton. I was on Hampton's campus. Um, we've all maybe had to deal with interesting roommates. I was very fortunate to have had roommates who were very cool. I mean, I, I had a few, a few um, crazy friends that when we would order pizza, they would do some pretty vile things which would really piss us, piss us off. I don't want to go into detail about that, but uh, it, it was treated as jokes back then, but even, even when it was going on, it was vile. So, but this right here takes it to another level. Um, and even with people that I might have had, might have had personality conflicts, still wasn't this bad. I never had this kind of fear. So, uh, Daryl, what are you, what are your what are your thoughts about this story? It, it, it's a story that I will say um, it, it, it emblazoned in my brain. It's so vile that to think that somebody could do this to another human being, I couldn't do this to an enemy. So, what what do you think really is going down here? What's going down is is the story is two levels here. Two levels. First, this is an obvious to, to me. Assault and assault, you could look at it as terrorism, you could look at it as poisoning, you could look at it as manslaughter, even though no one died. This, this, I mean, you could possibly kill somebody with what she was doing here, all right? Because you don't know her, uh, her uh, allergies or what she can react to or anything like that, and you're doing this. 
All right, that's that's the first thing. The second thing is something we've talked about in the past with the new generation. If I'm trying to do something below board, why am I going to go to Instagram? Why am I going to go to Twitter? Why am I going to go to Facebook and and essentially rat myself out as to what I've been doing? All right, as Riley Freeman had said in in the Boondocks, and I paraphrase, that's not gangster. That's not gangster at all. Chick. And you know what? I'm not going to treat her like a lady. I'm going to treat her like the hoe she is. Okay? You want your roommate out so bad, you can't live with the roommate? You could easily go to your RA, and the RA would inquire if someone else has a problem with their roommate if you two could switch. All right? That's as far as my compassion for this chick goes. Now, for the young lady, you hit this university, and you hit them hard. How dare they tell you to be quiet about this? You're the one that's been been violated. You're the one that has been attacked. There's a reason why rape victims don't want to come forward. All right? And we're seeing a lot of it now with Weinstein and now Andy Dick and Brett Ratner. And as it snowballs and snowballs and snowballs, see how the university handled this. The girl that's been wronged is told she can't talk. The girl that has been wronged is being told, well, this situation is over. Meanwhile, on this other girl's Instagram, not just hundreds, but possibly thousands of people could see that she was doing wrong. Finally, I got this away. Now, here's the thing, too. Those other kids that came up to her saying, well, look at what she just put on the Instagram. That means you have followed her Instagram for a while. That means you have possibly seen some of the stuff over the past, how long was it, month, two months, that she's been doing to this chick. And you didn't step up until now when she announces she's leaving? You're just as culpable as she is. You're a bystander. You're seeing this going down in your own dorm. None of you went, yo, that's not right, man. Stop it. To her. None of you came up with, yo, you need to change your toothbrush. You need to check your bag. None of you stepped up until then. What What if the fungal invention led to cancer? What if the fungal invention led to something like meningitis? There's no heroes for you coming up to tell her this. Because if you had her Instagram, then you had it a month ago. And she's been posting what she's been doing. So, for my sister here, I would stand for nothing less than this girl getting the book thrown at her, but also the university As long as you go to school there, you should pay for nothing. They should pay everything that you need, every charge taken care of, all right? 
go like, you get your choice of your own roommate. All right? They fight it. T- take them to court, honey. I go like, hey, I would have been uh, okay with a free ride, but since you guys want to subvert me down, I think you guys got a couple million dollars to spare. Look, look, look. It, 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 it's a simple fact of the matter here, folks. Okay? You don't like your roommate. There's, there's processes you could go to change that thing. This was a personal and deeply, deeply violation of this girl's civil rights. I, I can see people doing it a hate crime. And you know what? I can't argue that it isn't a hate crime. Because what this white girl did to this black girl, you treated her less than human. And um, remind me again what the standards for racism and slavery are again? Oh, yeah, that's right. These people didn't see these people as being their equals, so they subjugated them embarrassed them, did stuff to them against their will. I think that fits here. To you, Afrinerd. Yeah, uh, let me bring back Keystorm. I heard some, you know, his car, his uh, background noise. So, Q, any any uh, thoughts, any, any impressions on this horrific story? Well, I'm no attorney, but Daryl kind of touched on most of the points I was going to make. I'm no attorney, but if I'm her, I don't know what long-term effects the, the things that this one, this roommate did to me. I don't know what kind of health issues I might be looking at in the future. So I'm thinking I got a pretty good chance to uh, get a free education and maybe a couple hundred thousand because I'm going to hire the best damn attorney I can find. Particularly since the university, and I didn't hear this part initially, the university told me to keep it quiet. So, yeah, I, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, whether she finishes her education or not, she's got a nice little trust fund coming uh, in her way. Yeah, I, I'm glad you said that. I mean, I, I'm thinking in my head at a minimum half a million dollars settlement for me to go away. I'm saying that's kind of lowballing it because – uh, she was, she was injured physically. You know, it wasn't just you know. There's, there's physical duress, and then there's also mental duress. I mean, I, I would be, I would be psychologically screwed up for 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 many many years over something. I mean, you'll never get over something like this because it was it's, it was such a intrusive violation. I mean, this woman. Put her toothbrush in her rectum or one of her orifices. I mean, she said that, and 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 also, you know, the the analogy of the Matrix comes to mind. Like these 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 millennials are so wired in; they are locked in. The 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 scene where you see um, Keanu Reeves literally unplugging the cable from the back of his head. Something like that has to be done with our youth because the fact that you can that you can be so vile, and then I mean I guess it's fortunate uh, fortunate enough that she did do this because you really would not want her to get away with something so so vile. But you think just in a commonsensical kind of way that for someone to do something something so heinous and then to immediately without compunction to go straight 
to the internet, straight to your IG account, and then just blabber something this vile and not even have enough awareness that what you did is is felonious. Um, it 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 becomes. I I don't know. It's it's crazy. It really is crazy. And and it's got to be you, you you know you you got to think it's racial in some way because this this was a black girl with a white roommate and I I I would like to I mean I'm naive. I'm just looking at this person as a person, but she she brought it back she brought it somewhere else. I mean if I if I room with a white person, I mean I went to a historically black black college um undergrad and um i you know i i didn't live on campus during graduate school and i went to you know i went to a predominantly white school st john's but um i wouldn't even think that deeply if i was rooming with someone of any ethnicity it just wouldn't come to me but for something like this as heinous as it is this this is this is this is what daryl talked about this is slavery man you know this is slavery you know i told the story a few times, maybe once or twice, on the show of uh, this this noted, this infamous slaver in the Caribbean, uh, Thomas Thistlewood. Thomas Thistlewood, and he came up with this thing, this this torture, the slave torture, uh, uh, slave torture device or tactic called Derby's dose. Derby's dose, and if it, it, any slave that was within his purview, if that slave did anything that he perceived, emphasis on that he perceived was an infraction, give me something simple, like stealing a piece of fruit or something. If he decided in his mind that this slave did something that he didn't like, he would, there's some kind of contraption where he would wire the slave's mouth open and he would he would command another slave to defecate in that uh, in that slave's the, you know the, the slave that committed this this infraction he would have that one slave defecate in the mouth of the other slave and that was called derby's dose so when when this girl put that toothbrush and all these other things dealing with menses and all that kind of stuff it it, it makes me think of Thomas Thistlewood. I mean, it's it's so vile, folks. It's worse than the grading. It it's listen. It's inhumane. Uh, uh, there it goes. Inhumane's perfect. It, it it's too be- It's it's almost a poetic word for this, but you know, uh, uh, you guys are the educated ones here. I'm the street dude. I have a whole nother vocabulary for this woman. And she's not even a woman. She's a chick. All right? Yeah, and I I could just go down the list because my respect that I learned through my Trinidadian parents, my respect that I learned through the military does not apply here. If you catch the drift. You know, I'm putting this um, wiki wiki um blurb in our chat room and you know just so folks know that you know you when i say something that whether it's myself or daryl like daryl made reference i had to look it up myself not that i didn't believe him but i just want to get more information um when you talked about uh 
uh, what was that? That the test of, by the, the cartoonist. The Beichel, right? uh, the Alson Beichel test. Bechdel. Uh, Bechdel. Yeah. No. B- yeah. B e c h d e l. Bechdel. The Allison Bechdel test. Um, we'll get into that actually probably this Saturday. But yeah, um, courtesy to you when you it's it you know listen, all of us know something. <laughs> we know some ish and we want to share it. But um, let me, let me put this um, this little wiki wiki link in our chat room just for our audience so they know that you know we're not just making this crap up. But Thomas Thistlewood, I'm going to read this quickly. This is this is kind of sort of where you know where where we're dealing with what this stuff has this stuff has legs. <laughs> Right here under Slave Brutality and Derby's Dose. Accordingly, Thistlewood routinely punishes slaves with fierce floggings and other cruel and gruesome punishments. One of his preferred punishments for, for runaway slaves was the Derby's Dose, where a slave would be beaten and then salt pickle, lime juice, and bird pepper would be rubbed into the open wounds. Then another slave would be forced to defecate into the runaway's mouth, which would be forced shut. Via, via various methods, gagging for hours. Wow. You know, we're going to go to another story where, you know, uh, the, the General John Kelly story, the White House Chief, Chief of Staff, with this, within the, the President administration, within the Trump administration, and he's giving accolades and all this deference to uh, the, the, the Confederate general general robert e lee and robert lee robert e lee he was a few notches short of thistlewood when it came down to what he would do to his slaves even former slaves when slavery was over and he was legally required to to let these people go robert e lee refused to abide by the law with free with free african folk and 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 still Instituted uh, slave torture and beatings, even post bellum. But according to Robert Kelly, you know he did that equivocating that his boss does. This is who is this is who we have presiding over us right now. These these people that equivocate and make and, and, and make they try to balance out this this effort. Let me let me mention one, one other thing too. You know, going back to uh, Ms. Rowe, Jazzy Rose. Um, her her situation, her, her really, really disgusting uh, situation. You know, many many folks, many black folks, and I got to flip it the other way. You know, many black folks, I've heard, especially on um, in media, for the few folks that were talking about this, they were saying, well, this is further evidence that maybe you should go to an HBCU. Now, I will confess that when I heard this story, I would have said, well, hell, you should have went to Howard. You should have went to Hampton. You should have went to Spelman. You should have went to uh, um, um, Bethune-Cookman. I mean, you know, you have choices. But then uh, there's a similar story out of Tennessee State between, between in, uh, intraracially. But, but even then, now this is another roommate, two women, that had an issue, and one of the women put – uh, snuck some toilet water into the bottle of her roommate, and that roommate had gotten sick, right? It, but it was left at that. Even though that's heinous enough, it was left at that. But in Tennessee, she was charged with a felony, right? 
in in Hartford where this woman did all like like ten different things. It was initially a misdemeanor, and she was still on campus. Now, isn't that something? That even when even when it is a difference of black and white, it's still a difference of black and white. Even though the the HBCU they had women with issues and 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 roommates not being able to really get along. The gravity of the situation in Tennessee was, a, was, was, was substantially less. It was bad, but substantially less. But she was treated as, this was treated more seriously. This other woman had throat issues, and, and, and uh, you, you can imagine. There's germs and stuff. I mean, this is, this is horrible. Anyway, um, I think they should settle out because I'm even hearing just out there, I'm hearing more and more people who are saying uh, they had kids that were ready to matriculate to, to the Hartford, uh, University of Hartford, and they're telling them, we're going we're gonna to mark you off the list. So if, if University of Hartford, if they're not smart, they're going to end up losing potential students because if they don't rectify this, they need to pony up and give this young lady some, some, some ducats, as they say, because it can really snowball into something substantially worse. I would give this woman a million, at minimum. That sounds like that's crazy. Someone puts a, puts a, a a toothbrush up her butt. Ugh, gross. Anyway, folks. Again, the Grindhouse. Well, Saturday at 6 p.m. This is the midweek in review with the Uncanny. Let me move forward. You know, I men- I mentioned John Kelly, the White House chief of staff. Uh, the the funny thing about this gentleman is that many of us looked at him as the, the, cal- the calming presence that the adult in the room is what's been, been said has been bandied about quite a bit we looked at him as the adult to kind of get the president to comport himself but when he speaks and again he's speaking about the civil war we're having these civil war discussions more and more now and he equivocates on the civil war so I want to play this clip, and then we're going to unpack on this thing. But this is more crazy people who are, a, are ahistorical. Let me repeat that. These people are ahistorical. They have a whole different view where uh, they, could have, they, they could have come to a compromise over the Civil War. They wanted to compromise over slavery. <laughs> All right, folks. Let me see if I can find this. This uh, okay? Here we go. Actually, this is Roland Martin um, deconstructing this this Robert E. Lee synopsis by John Kelly. Hold on. Welcome back to Belshi and Rule. This morning, White House Chief of Staff John Kelly is again facing criticism for some controversial remarks. This time, it's for comments he made about the Civil War and Confederate General Robert E. Lee. They came during an interview on Fox News last night where he was asked about the recent decision by Virginia Church to remove plaques that honored both George Washington and Robert E. Lee. History's history, um, and uh, there's certain things in history that uh, were not so good, and other things that were very, very good. I think I, I think we make a mistake, though, and, and as a society, and certainly as uh, as individuals, when we take what is today accepted as right and wrong, and go back 100, 200, 300 years, uh, or or more. It's
it shows you what, uh, how much of a, of a lack of appreciation of history and what history is. Uh, I would tell you that Robert E. Lee was an honorable man. Uh, he was a man that uh, gave, up, uh, gave up his country to fight for his state, which in 150 years ago was more important than country. It was always loyalty to state first back in those days. Uh, now we're, it's different today. Uh, but the, the, the lack of an ability to compromise uh, led to the Civil War. And uh, men and women of good faith on both sides made their stand where their conscience uh, had them make their stand. History is history, but for fact's sake, let's tell the truth. First of all, historic fact number one, the Civil War was fought over slavery. Eleven southern states left the Union back in 1860 and 1861 in order protect, to protect the institution of slavery following the election of President Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln was an avowed opponent of the expansion of slavery, but said he would not interfere with it where it already existed. From History.net, the burning issue that led to the disruption of the Union was the debate over the future of slavery. That dispute led to secession and secession brought about a war. The first state to secede, North Car excuse me, South Carolina. On December 20th, 1860, it approved of an ordinance of secession and it offered an invitation to form a confederacy of slaveholding states. As for Robert E. Lee, he served in the U.S. Army and became superintendent at West Point. In April of 1861, President Lincoln offered him command of all federal forces, but Lee declined, resigned from the Army, and accepted a general's commission in the newly formed Confederate Army. All right, General Kelly's comments touched off strong reactions on social media. Among them, Beatrice King, the daughter of Martin Luther King Jr., tweeted, I'm sorry, Bernice King, uh, tweeted, it's irresponsible and dangerous, especially when white supremacists feel emboldened to make fighting to maintain slavery sound courageous. All right, joining us live now is Roland Martin, host and managing editor of TV One's News One. Uh, Roland, uh, you, uh, John Kelly said that uh, to not appreciate this shows a lack of appreciation for history. History, you have tweeted out this morning calling Kelly's comments insanely stupid. Tell me how you really feel about this. Yeah, I'm not going to allow four stars to allow stuck on stupid to, uh, to simply go on. Here's a man who's utterly clueless. For him to say that, well, we could have compromised. Really? We did compromise. There was a thing called the United States Constitution. And you know what that said? If you're a black, you're three-fifths of a human. What he should do is go read Lawrence Goldstone's book, uh, uh, Dark Bargain, where it details the compromises made with the South just to get the Constitution passed. Oh, you want to talk compromise? How about the Hayes Tilden Compromise? <laughs> which was never written down, called the Great Compromise of 1877 that ended the 12 years of Reconstruction that ushered in Jim Crow when they removed the, uh, the federal troops from the last three remaining southern capitals. We can talk about compromise, the fact that we had a Civil Rights Act of 1866 and one in 1875, and we didn't get another one until 1957, which was rather weak. How about compromise? We had three Reconstruction Amendments, the 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, 15th Amendment. But you know what? America didn't care about those constitutional amendments because of that 1877 compromise, which led to the Civil Rights Act of 64, and the Voting Rights Act of 65, and the Fair, 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 Fair Housing Act of 68. And so I need John Kelly to actually go back and read a history book that my 12-year-old nieces are reading right now, because clearly he fell asleep in history.
I don't know if he fell asleep in history, but I'll tell you, my son, who's in the sixth grade, is reading that same history of Roland's nieces are. What about Kelly's claim that 150 years ago, states were more important than country, and that he gave up his country to the fight for the state. state of Virginia? Robert E. Oh, Lee, I'm talking about. Well, well, guess what, Ben? I would, Ben, I want to see General Kelly defend anybody who's at ISIS. Because you know what they're doing? They're giving up country for their ideology. It's the same exact thing. See, this is how we normalize white supremacy. And how, then they say, well, we don't have an appreciation of history. See, and then I love this whole deal about how, well, you know, he was, um, he was an honorable man. Really? There were abolitionists during that particular period who did not believe in slavery. So don't call them men of their time. But maybe General Kelly also didn't read this, which was from Wesley Norris, one of the slaves that he had, where he said that when we ran away, he asked, why do we run away? And we said, because we are free. He ordered us to be beaten, given 50 lashes. And then when one of his overseers wouldn't do it, he said he called Dick Williams, a county constable, who was called in to give us the lashes, and it was Lee who said, lay it on well, an injunction which he did not fail to heed. Not satisfied with simply lacerating our naked flesh, General Lee then ordered the overseer to thoroughly wash our backs with brine, which was done. You called that? All right, folks. Um, I had to allow for full edification. That was Roland Martin. I'm not really the, the, the biggest fan for Roland Martin. For you know, Sometimes he's a little sloppy you know, when he was dancing with Hillary Clinton and that kind of thing. But, uh, hey, when he's on, he's on. When he's right, he's right. And I appreciated his breakdown on this one. And this is, you know, th this is the state of affairs right now. We we're dealing with a administration that clearly has a racial bent, something that President Obama was not allowed to have. I mean, this is something that is so blatant. I wish there were more discussions on exactly the type of the type of, of um, the allowances that are afforded to this administration versus the last administration. I mean, it's, it's just it's as clear as day when it, when you saw the issue with uh, Reverend Wright, and you know, not so many people understood the Reverend Wright thing. I mean, listen, I'm not the biggest fan or supporter of some of these, these um, the black churches where they have kind of the, the histrionics and that kind of thing. But I do understand it. And it, it was really, and I think I even had this, this, this discussion with John McWhorter. I believe when John McWhorter, you can go into the archives, when John McWhorter was on uh, our show, this is, he was on our show, I need to get him back on here. But when Dr. John McWhorter was on our show, that incident was brought up, and being black men, we knew exactly what Reverend Wright was doing. Reverend Wright was really in the in the African American church tradition. He was exclaiming, he was emoting. It's a type of performance. It's uh, it it is akin to uh, exhaling. I mean, a after what we're seeing now, you can understand why. I mean, it's, it's really an, ex an extension or a precursor to the bending uh, uh, to, to the kneeling. When he said "America, damn America," that's when you were dealing with people that try to equivocate Robert E. Lee. I mean, I, I I have 
grave issues of Black Lives Matter. I said this before. I think all Black lives need to matter. Now, forget about all lives mattering. I'm down for Black lives mattering. All Black lives need to matter. And I and the, and the urban terrorism that I spoke about earlier in the show. That's my own personal opinion. But I will I will confess. I become I get closer and closer to understanding Black Lives Matter on a meta level. Now, what do I mean by that? On a meta level, when you see when you see this this person's very staid, he's very faux intellectual, and he's just talking about history, but he's obfuscating slavery. He's trying to compartmentalize slavery. And I respect our Jewish brethren where they don't they don't allow for this. They don't allow they don't allow for this, folks. They're very clear that they're not going to allow you to equivocate with their tragedy. With us, black lives don't matter. We I, we saw this with uh, during the campaign during the during last year's election when during the DNC, the first then first lady Michelle Obama was talking about her. History. Matter of fact, our history. When she said, as a as a black family in the White House, it me, it really means something. That hell, slaves, slave labor, uh, built that. I mean, we know that Benjamin Banneker was the architect for the White House after uh, I believe after there was a fire when it was rebuilt. A black man built the White House. He was the architect, but even beyond that, slave labor built the White House. That is, that is our history. So if, if uh, an Italian person talks about Machiavelli or talks about, um, talks about Christopher Columbus or, or talks about um, Leonardo da Vinci, I'm not going to – I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be quiet. We know disgraced Bill O'Reilly. See, see, at the time he had, so see how quickly the, the mighty had fallen. At the time, he had cachet, even though he was diddling people and having to pay thirty-two million. But I digress. He, or worse than diddling, he said right after, "Oh well, these these slaves. I'm paraphrasing. These slaves were treated. They 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 were they 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 uh, they were treated better than than than." regular slaves. You know, they, they really didn't have it that bad. He couldn't let it stand. He had to say something. Like this woman is talking about her history, black history. Shut your mouth. If a Jewish person is talking about the Holocaust, talking about Dachau or Auschwitz, I'm going to shut my mouth. Not with us. And it, it makes them feel so uncomfortable, some of these racist white people. It makes them feel so uncomfortable, they have to say something. I saw the Black Panther the, the, already, I think maybe it was Q-Storm. Someone pointed something, tweeted something out to me where some racist, I think from an organization, uh, Amrin, American Renaissance, somebody, they said something snarky about Black Panther. They can't shut their mouths. They won't respect you. Your life doesn't matter. So on a meta level, I'm down with Black Lives Matter on a meta level because I see just on a subtle way 
you're not allowed you're not allowed to have your opinion or your history um this man was was a slaver and he was a traitor robert e lee and as a black person i don't respect confederate ancestry there was I'm, I'm, i can't even play this clip but i played it before a professor of Georgetown, law professor, um, Paul Butler, he said something that went viral when some woman called. He was on MSNBC, um, Chris Hayes' show. And this woman was going on and on. And she was nice. You know, she was comported. But she was respectfully just, just, just so genteel like John Kelly. Oh, you know, we got to respect our history. This is our southern history, and we have to respect my, our ancestors. And Paul Butler said, Professor Butler said, I don't have to respect your – I don't respect your ancestors. Your ancestors wouldn't want me to be a law professor at Georgetown. So uh, in all intents and purposes, he said he, – he didn't say it vi- uh, viscerally, but he pretty much said, F your ancestors. So this is – I want more black people to start to be more a little, a little in there, a little, a little bit in your face when, when this kind of ish goes down. I know I blather a little bit, but I had to get this out, folks. I'm sorry. I had to get it out. Daryl, I'll give you the floor. It's all connected. I'll use a comic term. It's all connected. Oh, a couple months ago, what was it? Florida was changing their, their curriculum when it came to time to talk about the Civil War and the Civil, and the civil Rights Movement. Texas, we learned that they, they, they changed the names of several things, including getting rid of whole massacres of Native Americans and the treatment of black people. During, oh, what was it? The Civil War. Okay, so here comes John Kelly. Makes this statement about Robert E. Lee. Now, I don't know if you folks saw it, but wasn't it a month ago they had those four white girls at a high school that the name was being changed from Robert Kelly to something else, and they were crying, saying how much of a hero he was. And, and black Twitter, once again, brothers, sisters, mahalo. They got all over him like, Robert E. Lee was a hero? Let me talk to my uh, ancestors about that. Oh, yeah, that's right. Some of my ancestors were lynched. So, some of my ancestors were, were degraded. Some of my ancestors were mutilated. Great hero he was. <laughs> but, like, but like I said, it's all connected. This whole administration, sure we're looking at Trump, but look at the look at his picks for involving education. Look at some of the stuff they said on the news. This is the dumbing down of America. Go ahead, Q. Listen, we live in a country where Christopher Columbus is still considered a hero. Okay, now listen listen to this. And D Burke, you might want to put your shields up on this. We now know CBS, CNN, MSNBC, you want to call them uh, with a liberal slant, I don't care. But it is widely accepted that the Republican Party has been reshaped in the image of Trump. Jim Kelly, as you pointed out, who we as as a community uh, played part and parcel in the fact that we thought he was going to be the person to keep Trump at bay. You saw what he said. So the party is the, now the party of Trump. 
So no black person should be identifying as a Republican, period. Well, listen, I hear you. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I would go that far. And the reason why I say that is because there, there, there is a, there's a, there, there's a graph or there's a scale for politics. And, you know, you have black folks that, that are Democrats now that when uh, Strom Thurmond was a Democrat or Dixiecrat, he was in favor and ran on a segregationist ticket. So I don't think it's really uh, – What year I don't, think it, really, year I don't think it really matters. Well, and also that? we see – and let me, let, me, let me mention this. I, again, I have to be fair. Many, many of the folks that are being caught up in these grotesque scandals in Hollywood are liberals. So left, left wing, right wing is still the same bird. So the, the, the folks that are making the decisions to keep your black behind out of certain, uh, certain movies, the ones that are whitewashing uh, Asian folk, uh, being very, very, very uh, genteel. See, see I, can go to the, I can go to the flip side. Someone like, um, and I think I, I think I played the clip. Uh, not that long ago, someone like uh, Meryl Streep was in was I think in Germany, and uh, she was on some panel, and someone asked a question about diversity, and the first thing she said was like, "Well, well, we, we're diverse. I mean, oh, look at us, uh, nothing but white white females," and they said that, "Oh, yeah, sometimes aren't we all from Africa?" This is from a Hollywood liberal. So what I'm saying is. So what I'm saying is, is that left wing, right wing, black folks are going to have to figure out a way. This, this is this harkens back to uh, to, to Charlton Heston in the, the first in the first Planet of the Apes movie when he was he was caught in an untenable situation and he screamed, "This is a madhouse!" And I think black folks haven't gotten to that point yet. We are in an untenable situation. Okay. So with your, with your screed on Hollywood and liberals, which I don't disagree with, all you've proven is that no black person should be identifying as Republican, and black people need to stop hanging on to the teeth of Hollywood and do it for ourselves. So you haven't... Oh, oh no, and also... And also and also, they may have to—they may have to stop hanging on, on off the teat of the Democratic Party, that just plays that just uh, that just placates you. They have—they stop having um, Hillary Clinton bring out your minstrels uh, like Jay Z and and uh, and Beyonce when they start cursing and you know, the N word. But you blacks like that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, See, but, you, but they're still they're still placating to you. As a matter of fact. As, as heinous as as heinous as Trump is, and, you, and I told you this, Q, and people hate, I hate being right. I hate being right. But I told you that as bad and as heinous as Trump is, we are probably, we'll probably have to hit, hit this, uh, the bottom for black people, for people to like a Master P and, and P Diddy say, hey, babe, we need to get our own NFL thing going. We see Ice Cube has his, he- own, his, own, his own team now. Uh, more black folks have enrolled in HBCUs than ever. More black people are, are, are getting 
uh, are getting uh, uh, bank accounts. I mean, businesses are being open. The white man had had to threaten you. It had to be that way, didn't it? If Clinton was still in office, you would have relaxed, and you and, and you would not have gotten this gotten that that, that weaponry. There's certain things. This man, as racist as he is, they're motivating you. It is. Be honest. I, I will. I will say this. You talk about Hillary Clinton, and I voted for Hillary Clinton. The thing is, you can't tell me that the Democratic Party wants to be placated by Clinton when you have all the Democrats who wanted uh, Bernie Sanders. So it's not like the Democratic Party was marching lockstep with Hillary Clinton. I, uh, I just well, wish that more. De- I just wish that more Democrats would have not wimped out and gone uh, uh, stayed at home simply because Hillary Clinton was the only option they had. But we did. A lot of us did want Bernie Sanders. But we're grown-ups as well, so we, we Wait, went that route. Problem, that we were being placated only, by Clinton. The only, the only problem with, with what you're saying, and we only got about a minute remaining, unfortunately, the only problem with what you're saying is that we saw clearly with the, uh, with the disclosure of these emails that they screwed with Bernie, with Bernie Sanders, that uh, the, the, the higher-ups within a Democratic hierarchy, that they, that they, um, they dissed that guy. They they went with they went with Hillary Clinton and he did it under shady circumstances. Yeah, that they were not that they were not that yes the establishment was they were not honorable Democrats. Now I'm saying as far as black people, black people are going to have to be about self determination. And the only way that was going to happen is if you had this foolish racist to remind you. And I told you that you would not hear black folks talk about. Listen, I we had we may go over about two minutes. Okay, we got to, we're going to go over two minutes. We're going to go into the pod. Listeners, we're going to go for a couple of minutes, and then we're going to shut it down. Um, we had, Q, during the segregationist period in this country, black folks did have a rudimentary infrastructure. Let me repeat that. We did have a rudimentary infrastructure. We had black hospitals, obviously uh, HBCUs back then, and we had uh, black, even black baseball teams. Hell, we even had a black hockey team. As soon as the white man's water was colder, we, we eschewed all that. There was no – hell, we, it was, we, all we did was integrate our money into their money. Before, so if, it's going to, if there's going to be a reversal of that by, by seeing the real face of the racist now, it had to happen this way. And if you had Hillary Clinton, you would have relaxed your shoulders. She would have, she would have sang some Negro spirituals. You would have had Roland Martin – uh, doing the doing the shenane, and then we would it would have been all good, and she would even she would have even had a pot of greens and cornbread with you, and you would have felt good because oh this white person she, they, she really loves us, she really loves us. F all of that. I want to get back to a so, room. Hell, guess what? This I I I even get this. This says it all. This will shut down your argument. I believe I'm hearing now. And I heard this. I heard this at. Um, on Wendy, on, on a Karen Hunter show at Sirius, I believe there's initiatives going down right now to to implement uh, at least five epicenters of a revitalized Black Wall Street. I don't know how long it's going to take, but money's being established right now to bring back wall, Black Wall Streets, plural, in at least five areas. It was we were not getting down like that pre-Trump. 
post-Trump, now you have no choice. So you're saying that it sounds like you're saying we need Trump for another for another four years for a second term. I don't want to put up with it. I don't know. Maybe you keep saying that he's so much good he's done for the what good he's fomented for the black community. I'm trying to understand. Does that mean we should we should we shouldn't be complaining about the statues that are being removed, about him equivocating about Robert E. Lee, about uh, him equivocating about many good people on both sides, just because we need to be galvanized? Maybe we need to look within ourselves instead of. Saying, well, we need that white man to bring us together to 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 help us galvanize ourselves. I'd, ra- that I'd way. rather be. I'd rather be someone who has the who has to be told what to do uh, with a sane person in the White House than an insane person, and I'm galvanized, and I might have nuclear rain. Q, when when they were lynching That's just how you, I get down. well, listen, when they were lynching you. When they were when they were uh, preventing you from going to schools, when you, when you saw that the uh, that they were calling you in words, and they were and, and the national guard that was brought in, before that, black folks were about that business. You had black people that were creating. You had a black man that actually created his own uh, his own automobile company. This around the time of Henry Ford, and this I was going that. on with black. So I'm just telling you that it, it appears. It's a, it's a, it is an, it is unfortunate. I don't want it to be that way, but sometimes it has to be so visceral to get black folks to move. Because you, you you had you had it worse in the segregationist period of this country, but you had a rudimentary black infrastructure. Now you don't know what to do. You had black baseball teams. Why did you let go of those black? We had like what twenty six black baseball teams. Now we don't know what to do. Now that's foreign. There's things that we did that were not so foreign to black people. How do you explain that? Because you had no choice. You had no choice. And we have no choice now. How do you explain an enrollment at HBCUs is up? Black, uh, black, black finance, our own financial institutions are coming around. Black Wall Street talk is coming around. Five epicenters are being, are being, uh, we're being, are being planned. Five black Wall Streets. We're developing what is necessary. It is necessary. Black Panther, even though it's Marvel. Black people are motivated, and you you need Deeper. this wild you need this wild character to get in your butt to put the Bunsen Bunsen burner up the rectum like that woman put her, uh, a damn toothbrush up the rectum to move you. Well, I, I would just say this. I, I don't. Maybe I have. This is all speculative, but. I don't know that I'm going to tri- to attribute all this forward momentum, which, as you said, and I don't mean this cynically, which, as you've said, is just talk right now. I hope it happens, but it's just talk. I am not going to attribute that to one Donald J. Trump entering the White House, and he's only been there for uh, close to a year. So I like to think that these black people were movers and shakers that were going to make this happen one way or the other. Look, we're just finding out we're going to shut this down. We're just finding out now that uh, what, uh, upwards of 10 black, um, black executives have gotten together to create a super PAC. I mean, really? I mean, this is, what, this is what everybody else – you don't think Jewish folks don't have a super PAC? See, some of the things that are no-brainers, are all, all of a sudden these things are starting to happen. We're starting to scramble. 
You, you, you think that just happened out of thin air? I think Trump is. I think Trump is a contributor to that. A contributor to that. I really do. And this is again. It's not just Trump. We're talking about his 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 generals. All these people now we see clearly have the same worldview. So it's not really just Trump, as you just said. It's going down. And if you had Clinton there, they, she would have massaged your shoulders. She would have ate a piece of cornbread with you, and it would have made you feel good. <laughs> and your black behind would not be, would not be motivated. You, you would have been relaxed. She loves me. We're good now. Come on, man. She might have, she might have also uh, been able to get an infrastructure jobs bill through Congress that would put money in all of our pockets, and given us, and actually given uh, the uh, the middle class a tax cut, which would put more money Listen. in our pockets, and tax the tax uh, income over two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So you know, I, I don't know apples to oranges. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I can't call it. I, I listen, I Q. We we've been. I consider you a friend. You've been a supporter for, for us for years now, and we're gonna. I'm gonna bring you into the fold more, because we. Because hell, Trump is motivating me more. Where I, I got I gotta make Afro-Nerd into something. I gotta get off the corporate. I gotta get off the corporate teeth, the plantation. I, I have to for my sanity. Okay, man. But I'm just. And you heard me. You heard me. This is your party. Sleep well at night. Well, hey, I hey, listen. The Democrats are your party too, I guess, or your independents. I don't know. That you see them say, you see them say and do, and be and and enact, where it wasn't to your benefit. Also, I mean, it's, you know, left wing, right wing. Shout out to uh, the great James and Tumay. It's the same bird. It is what it is. Yeah. Q. Okay. We're gonna okay. have to shut down. <laughs> Listen, I did, you may not like how we're being motivated. I don't like how we're being motivated, but we're being motivated. We gotta take it. We gotta take it now. We gotta get these pants to be pulled up. Okay, we gotta get rid of these Shaniquas and Shaquanas, and maybe get a name that can get you a job. We gotta straighten out some stuff. Maybe they're gonna be. Maybe those those that crew will come later. Maybe maybe they will get it later. Well, hey. I will thank you. I will thank you for this, Deeper. You act. I literally am pulling up into my driveway, into suburbia, and so you got me on the ride home. Even though you make me pull my hair out, I thank you for that. <laughs> I try. I try. Uh, Daryl, as always, man. Hopefully, you'll be able to get your uh, your scheduling at some point in the next few months, so we can do the grindhouse. But you are an excellent fit for the for the midweek. Uh, it's refreshing. Hey, no problem. I just turn down the comedy and turn up the seriousness. And again, fo- some folks may not be ready for the serious Daryl all the time on this one. But hey, Wednesdays now, it's a political forum, baby. And you know what? Uh, hey, for Daryl to be serious and, and get into this muck right now means things are going down. <laughs> all hands on deck. Seems to be pretty obvious. Anyway, the great Janelle Monet. Uh, such a cutie, such a such an attractive woman. Uh, Janelle Monae saw Williams dance or die Saturday, 6 p.m. Saturday. Pardon me, Sunday. Even I'm still screwing up. Sunday. There we go. 6 p.m. 6 p.m. The Grindhouse. Eventually, the Uncanny will make an appearance. Anyway, it's been real pleasure, gentlemen. Sunday, 6 p.m. Android, D boy, decoy, water, wisdom, 
Solar. Solar. Some will pull the gun because they want to be solid. Snatching up your life into the blink of an eye. And if you see your cloning on the street walking by, keep it running for your life because only one will survive. Boys in the streets and it's an apple or not. Run on for your life or you can know she can die. She's praying and listening, I'll keep the life in the ride. Stick up, stick up, bend up, pick up, pick up. Tell them lies and tell them lies, they'll put your face on fire. Run and take your finger, never dream, never wait. Kettles keep the crown to the street full of zombies. Kids are killing, 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 k